Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Heart and Hand is brought to you by MGM Plumbing and Heating. All plumbing work, repairs, maintenance, kitchens, bathrooms and disabled adaptions specialists. Heating works include boiler and central heating renewals, commercial gas installations, quality work at affordable prices. All works carry full warranties. Contact Billy on 07512 665979. That's Billy on 0512 665979. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that when it went to Presswick Airport with a sign calling somebody a C-word, got lifted. This week on Heart and Hand, we're half scoopied. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I'm joined this week by two of the finest first teamers that I could possibly pull out of the hat. First of all, it's making his, well, they're both making their season debut, it is only second show of the season, but still, it's Andy McGowan. Hello, David. How are you doing, doing mate? Back from a cultural holiday experience? Yeah, yeah, my first time in Northern Ireland, absolutely fantastic. Whatever? <laughs> oh, wow. Ever. That's, I'm, I'm surprised, I'm genuinely surprised at that, yeah, so have a good day. You didn't get up to anything near the home of any prominent ex-Sinn Féin or current Sinn Féin politicians, did you? No, my wife would not let me. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us, of course, a Livingston Lothario, a constant in heart and hands uh, lifespan, it's Mr Cameron James Bell. Good evening, gentlemen, pleasure to speak to you as always. So, lads, let's go back to Thursday night. First competitive action at Ibrox. Rangers took on FK Scoopy of Macedonia. Um, won the match by two goals to nil. A goal in the 23rd minute from Jamie Murphy and a goal in the 90th minute from James Tavernier from the penalty spot. Andy, uh, it's a 2-0 victory uh, in Europe. That's always a good result. Um, but the, the the feeling leaving the ground from a lot of fans, not all, but from a lot of fans, seemed to be a little bit 
tinged with disappointment um, at maybe not having put the tie to bed on the night. What what was your take? Well, my thoughts are a wee bit tempered now with the, the time that's passed and I've watched the game again. Um, I, I think there was a, a right to be a wee bit disappointed, but there was also a, a need for realism. We're very, very early in our pre-season. I think that is something that we sometimes forget about now because we're getting more and more used to these early starts. Uh, and I don't actually think, Scoopy, where the walkovers that you would normally get at this stage of the competition, I think they were fairly compact and organised and tidy in possession. They, they didn't have any pace, but I, I, I thought they were probably brought into the SPFL. So I think when you put it in that context, um, to come away with a 2-0, it, it, it was enough. Um, and I think we were probably not too far away from coming out of the stadium really satisfied because we made enough chances and um, it, it, as you say it should have been quite easily three or four on another night so I'm, I'm not being too harsh on them as I probably was after the game on, on Thursday night Yeah, I, I was quite harsh on them when I left the stadium, Cammy that night, not harsh, I just was a wee bit disappointed I thought that the performance lacked fluency Um it did, but of course it did. It's the first game of the, the, the new season. It so often happens. I mean, we have a running joke that Rangers, even in the good years, our first home game or our first match the next season was always shite. Remember, it was always like a 2-1 win against Motherwell. Uh, I seem to have seen about 15 of those. So it does take a wee while to kind of shake the cobwebs and get going. But when I watched the game back, although you know I'm not going to turn around and say, and then I realised it was a magic performance. It wasn't. Uh, there, there was a lack of fluidity at times, but... We've made a shitload of chances. Yeah, so I think the thing is, though, we've had a little bit of the the dip and the feel-good factor, which sounds a bit odd when you consider you're talking about a 2-0 home win in Europe. Um, I would add on to Andy's point there that you've got to remember the Scoopy players, this is the, the game of their lifetime. They'll never play in front of a packed 50,000-seater stadium again. Um so they were going to be up for it but the dip that I mentioned is probably what we've had since the tail end of last season since Gerard was announced and we've just kind of been on that um, ascendancy of you know who is he bringing in what's happening um, we've seen tough training regimes we've had sound bites from the manager whether it's the press conferences or video clips in training um, tough camps across in Spain then um, six nil wins and friendlies uh, against Berry, and then you've got this, and everyone went into it thinking, well, it'll be a trounce and it'll be an absolute smashing. And I, I think, yeah, looking back and probably taking that dose of realism, what you're what you're now looking at is there's, and I mentioned this in my Twitter feed, there's still work to do, and we are very much pre-season, we are very much um, still very very early days. You can't argue with a two 0 win. But you are even less with a four or a five nil, you know, the tie is effectively over. There's no really need to worry about the second leg. Another thing that I would add into that, because there's obvious flashbacks to last season, progress and all the rest of it. For a progress, I'll give you a countess. Do you know what I mean? It, it can happen no matter how good the team is. Mm. But I've got absolute belief in that this managerial team will not allow um, progress mark two to happen across there. So... I'm more comforted by the fact that a 2-0 win is not the best. We didn't take as many chances as we should. Something like 15 corners, you know, those are clear chances to convert, which we didn't take. But very little um, fear. 
that we could let it slip away from us uh, come Tuesday afternoon. Andy, uh, I think that, uh, as Cammy says, that there was some decent stuff uh, that we played. I think the goal, the first goal, came at a good time. And I genuinely think had we got a second quite quickly, then we would have gone on and blown them away. But there was tension in the ground. There was a great atmosphere at start. It was a total sellout. It was full of Rangers fans, rather, because there was no away fans. So it was an incredible atmosphere when Steven Gerrard came down the tunnel. I think, though, the ghost of progress neither corn did hang over the ground. And there was tension that you might not necessarily have expected in that match. And I think that it was it was clearly for the, the fans. It was there for quite a few of the players who were there last year and experienced it. So I, I wonder how much that had a bearing on the proceedings. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, we post-traumatic stress. That to be fairly honest, because you're watching that game and you use the word flashbacks, Cammy. That's exactly what was happening before the first goal. You're it's only natural as a supporter sitting there to think, Well, this does go right, this team aren't quite as shit as we thought they might be, and, and we're not firing the North cylinders as we thought they might be as well. So, the, you're right, the goal came at the best possible time because it just uh, gave us uh, a 20 minute period before half time where we could have went for it. And, uh, and watching the game again, the first. I'm sorry, the, the last 10 minutes before the break was when we should have really put it to bed because we, we had several really, really good chances there. You had Windass with a, the, the header, you had Goldson had a really good chance at the back post as well. And one of those goes in and you're going in at 2 nothing at half-time, then I think, as we're saying, the game would have taken care of itself. So it's only natural that the crowd uh, was drifting back to that because it was, there was a lot of similarities to that game. But what we've got to remember is that we go to the second goal. We didn't get that last year. That mm. in itself is something that points towards, when I say progress, but it points towards a wee bit more resolve maybe because we kept going in that last 10 minutes. We kept going into injury time and we got that goal, which is is obviously vital going into a second leg away from home. So um, very early days, there was signs of progress. I think the the defence was, was very much more... Um, comfortable, although they weren't tested much in terms of uh, pace or, or, or them pushing forward at all. But I think the two, the two centre halves and Flanagan look fairly solid for what we could we could see that night. And I think it's just a case of fine tuning the, the front six or front five or whatever we end up with to, to actually um, to, to see things move a bit faster now. The, the thing that I would add into that as well, though, Davey, is. And and you're right. I mean, probably being haunted by the ghost of progress is, is is probably a good terminology. But what you also have to remember is this group of players, specifically this group of players, and also this management team. I'm sure they understand it, but they haven't lived it in terms of we want to see European, like main stage European football at Ibrox, as much as they want a big domestic trophy win. It, it's something that we're chasing. It's something that we're after, and because we've not had it in so long it feels a lot like the expectation level is is abnormally high and that that I think for me is something that we as fans are trying to impress upon the players why it's really important to us so again like you say because you've had that feel good factor going into this particular game you're almost kind of thinking that you're getting carried away with yourself a little bit which I think probably gives us a little bit of that bump back down to earth to say well 
theoretically you could say there are no real easy games in Europe whether you're in the qualifiers or not because everyone's well, playing for it do you know what I mean not for us and that's just a realistic statement we can't we're not in a position we don't have the background over the last decade really to say uh, there are easy games in Europe for us because we don't have the track record to do that historically yes but recently no we probably fell into the trap of going Macedonia who's this you know um, and as Andy said they were organised they were disciplined they knew what they were doing they weren't clowns you know they're not a great team nobody's going to try and kid them Rangers should have probably should certainly have won by more we had the chances to do so but yeah you're right and, and I do I, I felt the tension myself because I was Andy you, you, you mentioned there that second goal we talk about goals changing the mood that that changed the mood of the whole tie because if we'd walked out of there at only 1-0 having missed a few chances all you would have heard in this build up was this is like last year mm-hmm. the different expectations no bad thing to be honest I know that sounds stupid but um, the expectations with Gerard and everything that's went with them have just been absolutely off the scale and it's a great thing it's a great thing as a football supporter to have that again especially where we've been but the same token um, a lot of the realism is just getting away out the window and I think this has probably brought a, a well well needed dose of reality back to, to the support and um, I don't think that's a bad thing to, to get that so early it's, it's not a bad thing but it's also it's also quite a productive thing because it gives you a construct upon which Gerard can dissect, if you want to make it really simple, the opportunities that we had and why we didn't convert them. So you, you can pat players in the back by saying, yeah, well done, you you were able to, to, to gain 15 corners. But from set pieces, we need work. So it gives him the opportunity to build on that. And that will not just apply to Europe. That's going to apply into domestic games as well. So the good thing with that and where the positive is from that is you can then say, yes, so there's, there's good and there's bad. So the bad is the opportunities, the development. So I think that that's something we need to take into account as well. Now, let's talk about some of the players. We'll talk about the, the second line in a minute, but let's talk about some of the new players that had arrived. Kind of difficult. I mean, Alan McGregor, literally very little to do, so there's not much we can, we can say about uh, Alan McGregor version 2.0 at this point. But Andy had mentioned the two centre backs again. They didn't have a lot to do. I thought both of them, both of them looked fairly comfortable. They should do, you would argue. But I thought Goldson in particular impressed me. There's a, a physicality about both of them early doors, and they'll come up against tougher tests. But a physicality about them, Andy, that I like. It's been a long time since Rangers have two centre backs so that you think oh, they could they could stand. I'd, I'd have them at my back in a brawl. Hi. It's heartening that Gerard's obviously <laughs> rocket science to, to work out that's where we were, had a major deficiency. But the fact he's went out and got two physically robust football players at the back, it appears, uh, is is a good sign for the future because um, Goldson looks as if he can take the ball out for the defence and it looks as if he can pass the ball um, better than your average centre-half. Katic, he didn't see so much of the football inside him, but he looks like a big, uh, a big unit who can use his body to get in front of players and, and win the ball and shield the ball and stuff like that. So it was hard to tell for that game because, as we're saying, that team didn't come out much and there, there was no real pace in the team that I could see. But um, I think the fact we've paid £5 million for two players in those positions kind of speaks for itself. They're, they're going to, they should be a cut above what we've been used to. Certainly last wee while. 
Um, and I think Flanagan is... It's kind of went under the radar that scene because obviously everything was, everybody was talking about off the field stuff and everything else. But I had no real doubts about Flanagan coming in, despite the fact that he's not been in the Liverpool team for a wee while now. Because he was he's young and he's a fairly solid, dependable uh, fullback. And the fact that he could play either wing for us is, is a major, major bonus. Because when you've got two flying fullbacks like John and Tavernier, it's good to have a guy that you can bring in that's kind of offsets the other side of the park if you like and can he talked in a couple of times that I noticed it on Thursday night which is um, something Gerard had alluded to the fact that he could play either side of a three as a kind of third centre half so I think he's going to be a major bonus for us this season if he stays fit As uh, Andy says Cammy, he's a different type of fullback to the ones we've got he very much is I would say a traditional fullback in that you don't think uh, his best attributes are going forward which seems to be something you hear more and more in modern football he looks a defender first He does but I think when you look at Katic and Goldson and Flanagan the the immediate phrase that kind of springs to my mind is that they're, they're, they're footballing defenders if that makes sense. They mm. can play with the ball at the feet. They can look at opportunities. They can then start to, to organise sufficiently. Andy's right. There, there wasn't, for me, really a sufficient test to to, to really put that to uh, any kind of real opportunities that kind of threatened them. But it, it's a useful opportunity that potentially, if you have got teams, and we, we saw it plenty enough last season, which are hunkered in against this at home, that if we then revert to three at the back, I would have a great deal of comfort with those three on current showing, being able to try and play a three at the back if it meant that we start to give some more um, offensively minded players the opportunity to kind of go further forward. Um, I think what we need to be able to look at is how we be able to try and deal with more aerial threats coming in, because previously that's been a problem for us. Um, so it looks good at the moment, but it needs more. It needs more testing. If that's, if that's the best phrase I can put it. Into the midfield, and I thought this highlighted something the manager wants to do and something that I think we might need to, to look at moving forward, which is I thought that um, the, the pressing game, you could see what they want to do. Um, still kinks in it that need to be ironed out, we, we understand that, but you can see what the aim is between the three midfielders. There's got to be a lot of work. There's got to be a lot of closing down. I didn't think that... They had their best games, um, the, the the three midfielders. I thought that they couldn't quite impose themselves uh, in a, an attacking sense the way they could. I thought Ryan Jack, when he came on at half-time for Daniel Kandias, helped us improve quite considerably. But I am a wee bit worried, if I'm being honest. And it's, it's early doors, but I, I just looked round the squad and... Uh, I do worry a wee bit about somebody that might be able to unlock a defence from in there, Andy. I just worry a wee bit about that creative player. I like their work rate. I think they're much more solid and we need that. I just wonder if there's that one wee missing component for when we do come up against uh, a packed, you know, a four and a five, two banks, as we saw with Scoopy, because we'll see that in the league. Yeah. No, you're right. The, the midfield... It functioned okay, but I was a wee bit worried. You know, from an offensive point of view, but defensively, I thought that teams at times played in between them, and and, and were good at getting wee triangles around about and worked between the the, the centre halves and the in the midfield. Um, McCrory, I've got to say something super controversial here, but I'll put it in 
context, I think, before they could be whatever he wants to be in the game, right? I don't think he's ready. And I don't think he's ready to become a fixture in our, squad, uh, in our first team at this moment in time. I like him, I like what he does, I like the way he goes about his game. But if I keep coming back using this phrase, if we're going to win things, I mean win the league. If we're going to do that, then I think we need a wee bit more um, experience, probably through the team, but particularly in that area of the park. So McCrory, I think, if we have to get the best out of him this year, I think it's to be as a player that comes into the team and back out the team. Um, just by nature of his youth and the way he plays the game, I don't think he's durable enough to play the game he plays week in, week out. He's going to pick up injuries, he flies into tackles, sometimes a wee bit rash. He's got to learn uh, the, the game that way. And it's noticeable that um, a lot of what we said last year about him being a midfielder before a centre-half, Gerard's mayor less came out and said that. I don't know if I'd agreed with that, but I think uh, his position is key to what we do going forward for this season because, as you say, maybe there's a big onus on Arfield, Candace uh, or whoever it is that takes up the other two uh, positions in that midfield three because you've got to imagine that one of those three is going to be sitting in front of the, the centre defenders. So um, you're right, I think a wee bit of wizardry, a wee bit of guile, a wee bit of... Uh, magic in, in there is required I don't know if Ajari has it because I liked him when, I, when he came on I thought here's a boy that's very comfortable taking the ball with a man at his back which I like uh, 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 Adam Thornton mentioned in the, the post-match pod about a player that spins a player that can take a ball with his man at his back and turn and take the game forward he looks as if he can do that and more than that he looks as if he's got a wee bit of skill one-on-one with a player at the edge of the box which should have got as a penalty in my opinion so he could be that player you're talking about David but that's a that's a, a big question whether he is or not because he's only where is he 20 he's had half a season a fairly unimpressive half season with Sunderland yeah. it's a big big deal to come and do that for Rangers over a season yeah I mean I thought Jarry when he came on Cam he showed up okay I think some people again just because of where we were in the game when he arrived on some people running about me were screaming and bawling I'm like look it's the boys debut in a, a big match but you need to give him a bit of time to settle and I thought progressively as he went on you could see as Andy said some nice touches, a bit of skill uh, confidence to go and take the ball and certainly that's that's something that we you know, we, we will need we'll need somebody that can play that ball and beat a man on the edge of the box because this this is not the first or uh, the last time we'll see that sort of defensive shape against this Ibrox this season no, we won't, of course not, and that's where you're, and, and I hate saying this because it sounds like you're kind of pouring cold water on it, but the thing is, though, that if Jared had come on and then had been able to do the stuff that you're talking about and, you know, spin players and beat players and all that kind of stuff, this isn't who he needs to do it against. What he, who he needs to do it against is Motherwell and Kilmarnock and teams mm. who will, you know, as soon as they get that opportunity or, you know, first 20 minutes if they're sitting in against this and how do we unlock that, etc. as well. And, and Andy's right, it's good. I think it's I think it's a, a Stephen Gerrard team to me, especially from a midfield perspective, because obviously he will do that in his own image. Should for me scream of industry. It should be, you know, been able to close men down, been able to try and open up space, create space where there is very little to be had. It's difficult to do that if you're Ross McCrory because again, for me, that defensive centre mid needs to be someone who will tell everyone, move forward 10 yards, move forward 15 yards. We've got control of our half. We've got control of our half plus the first 
10 yards of their half. So move further forward and penetrate. I think an experienced voice does that. And I think players resonate to that. But I think you'd have to be exceptionally confident in, in McCrory's age to be able to do that and push people forward. That's a big ask. It's a difficult ask. Um, I think that from what we saw last Thursday, there's probably a preference of midfielders in there. Um, again, not purposely being negative, although it sounds a lot like I am. I don't know how Graham Dorans fits in that system, if I'm being perfectly honest. So you've then immediately get the question of, OK, so fitness of... Uh, making sure there's a rotation of players. How do we build a system that um, can break down those to cause and effect two banks of five? Um, we, we've relied a lot on one player. I know that we'll come on to that as well. I feel that's where Kendeas helps us most, has been able to try and put quality crosses into the box. Um, and I would prefer a playmaker to be able to try and come into that because, see, at the very least, he is going to get fouls. He is going to get fouls 20, 25 yards out, which should lead us to set-piece opportunities. So I think that that's a team which has to be able to come together and learn to play together and trust each other um, to come to its maximum effectiveness when looking to be able to try and break down that um, that, that wall, if you like, that it'll face. We then come to the, the area that I think dominated most of the conversation immediately after the game, and that's up front. Um, we, we'll... we'll come to, to to all the players individually. The manager said after it that he felt that at times we were just trying to push it. That there was that air of let's get loads of goals, you know, let's go and get this done. And at times the players were a wee bit too quick uh, in their decision making or wanted an extra touch. And he, he put that down to almost over eagerness I think Andy, and having watched the game back, I can see what he means. But there was also, as I mentioned there, a wee bit too much of the whole, I'll just take the extra touch to be safe. And that allowed Scoopy to get back into position quite often. And at one point, in fact, there was a quick break on for Rangers. Uh, we didn't take it and in fact turned back and ended up just playing the ball around our back four for a bit and Michael Beale threw his uh, his uh, notepad to the ground in disgust he was so annoyed that we hadn't that we hadn't seen the break so is that a fair point I, I thought it was I'll be I'll nail McAllister the master on that one I could see what he meant watching it back they were just too keen to make things happen trying to force it rather than just playing the game naturally or overthinking it and taking an extra touch uh, the decision made in the last, I don't even know, the last third bit in the box and right about the box was, was it, it was akin to pre-season, that's exactly what it was like, because there was a couple of times where there was cutbacks that were just weren't crisp enough or, or on, on a plate enough for like sort of half-field. Uh, there was one instance with Morelis, I can remember that the cutback was just a bit behind him and it made it made him have to take a, a touch or two. Um, the, the, the thing... After the game on Thursday, that was the thing that was kind of bugging me because you're coming away for that thing, right? But we, we should have had three or four. Why have we not got three or four? The reason is because we, we just weren't deadly enough. And we knew that for last season because it was the same players. And that, that's what kind of niggled me afterwards was, right, well, we know Windass, we know Morelos, and we know that they can miss chances. We know that when they're hot, they're really hot. But Again, I'll go back to the phrase, if we are to win things, we need to make sure that we do what Celtic do, which is they've got players who are pretty much fucking deadly. When you give them a chance, when the stakes are high, 
and they've only got one or two chances in a game, they'll take them. They did it to us at Ibrox in the 3-2 game. They got a couple of chances. They took them. The opposite was true of us last season where we had Morelis missing two game, two very good chances and two very big matches, which changed the season for us. So the, the kind of misses that we had from the front three and, and Thursday just harked back to that and it then puts in your mind, well, are these guys good enough? Are they going to change? Is it just a case of pre-season sharpness to still to come? And that's a big question because I don't know if I would say ah, it's just pre-season sharpness or I would say actually it's the player, the players. Well, the, the players in question, I thought Jamie Murphy, again, we, we know what you're going to get from Jamie Murphy. He's got quick feet. He lacks maybe a bit of pace uh, over the ground, but he makes things happen. He, not all the time, you know. He, he's a good player. He's he's not a wonderful player, but he's a good player. Got the goal, uh, got the penalty. He'll contribute. You know what you get for Jamie Murphy. Alfredo Morelos, I was a little disappointed with Cami, and after it because I spoke afterwards and said I. I didn't think that he was up to much at all and people said well watch it back and I watched it back wanting to say I'd been harsh there was some good hold up play if you were really looking for it you would spot it but one of the things I've always said about Alfredo Morelos and listeners will know this is that when he's not scoring goals he's still contributing and you know you can't fault the work rate and all of those things I, I couldn't see it I've watched Watched the game there, watched it back. I haven't. Uh, that was as, as poor as I've seen Alfredo Morelos in terms of overall contribution to the match, where he just didn't look right, and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know if it's a case that. I mean, I, I've still got major doubts over his temperament, and I know we uh, we mentioned in the tail end of last season obviously he's not had the break you know he's he's young and blah 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 what have you I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of excuses for him now if I'm being perfectly honest in terms of where he sits at I think I think Morelos would be incredibly frustrating to play with if I'm being honest because he's really really quick and you saw it a lot last Thursday to have a moan about the type of ball that he gets the cal- do you know what I mean all that kind of stuff and I would, I would honestly love, and if you had the time to be able to go back over and look at Morelos in every game that he's played, as to whether or not there's ever been a game where he hasn't moaned at some point about some type of ball that he's received. And I think that that for me is his biggest concern because I, I don't know if he if he wants away. I know that you know there were rumours that he wasn't expecting to 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 be here for much longer and all that. But whilst he's here, whilst he's contributing to the team. I think he just needs to change his general attitude because I don't know as to why players will want to continue to, to help him if he's going to continue being a dick about it. Now, I know that's that's really general to say, but it also comes back to the point of... Andy, Andy had a point there about you know how these players were, were not deadly enough about not going for Morelos is exactly the same. And the thing is, yes, you can hold the ball up and yes, you can push people about a bit when you're up against the fence. But that makes no difference when you're losing 5-0 or 4-0 against Celtic. It makes zero difference. What he needs to be able to try and do is be a wee bit more cutting edge. And do you know what? See if he's banging in two goals and he's wanting his hat-trick or whatever, and then he gets a shit ball, then he's got a right to moan. But I feel as if he's contrib- his overall contribution is, is going down so low at the moment that 
I don't know whether or not we take him back out of the team. I don't know what we do with him. If you know, obviously, potentially does leave or whatever, then fair play to him, and I'm sure we'll get a healthy return on him. But right now, these players need a bit of confidence, and actually, strikers give you confidence. Seeing us scoring goals gives you confidence. And so at the very least, you know that some people will pull you out of jail. Ali McCoy's done it for Rangers for years and years and years. Morelos has that opportunity to be that type of player, if he wants to be. But there's going to be times where you can see his teammates getting frustrated with just his general attitude at the moment. He doesn't look to me like he's confident in his shooting at the moment, Andy. And I thought against Berry, he was snatching uh, a lot of chances. Mm -hmm. The other night, I thought, almost as if to rectify that, he was wanting the extra touch a lot and he was he was mm-hmm. overthinking it and it's almost like we need the kind of three bears solution you know he's had the too hot and the too cold we need the porridge it's just right um i had hoped the goal against berry might calm him down a bit because it's you know he's got a manager who really believes in him um and has spoken effusively of him and has worked well with him in training and uh, i don't know what much more can be done. Is it as simple as he just needs a couple of goals in a big game and off he'll go? Aye, uh, I think that goes for any striker. I, I, I still think Morelis is uh, the first choice striker as it stands. Right? Even for Thursday, but I thought it was pretty poor and Juicy Davies' touch wasn't quite there and he missed a couple of good, really good chances that really, we, we would expect him to put away. Um, I think if he gets goals, then I think we've seen the last year he got a hot streak and you know, he Merely everything he touched was, was in up in the net. He has got a good shot. He's predominantly right-footed, as we all know. Um, and I like that in a player. I like a player that shoots on sight. Sometimes it doesn't happen for him, but I like that. And I don't think we should try and take that away from his game. But constructively speaking, what I would like to see him do now, I'm not a striker. As <laughs> if he's ever played, we would know. But what I would like to see is... I'd like to see him get to front post more because there's a lot of times that we're getting boys in the box, whether it's Vicken Dace or Windass. Or Middleton, um, who, or Middleton, who seems to have an unbelievable ability to get to the byline and, and get it back. Exactly. And, and the wee man, Morelos, is, is too often at the back post waiting for it. And either some, a front, the first defender gets it or the goalkeeper gets it. I think we've seen that maybe four or five times on Thursday night alone. So... I don't know, maybe he's told to hang about the back post and somebody else is told to be the front runner, but I don't know. I just think as a striker, uh, playing central, I, I would like to see him just do that five, six-yard burst across the front of the goals. I think he would get a lot more goals um, if he does that. But um, My thoughts on Morelos are, I like him. I think he's going to get, become a better player if his attitude is right. As you say, Cam, his attitude's going to be right. He's got to want to learn. He's got to want to be here and playing and learning. And if he doesn't do that for Gerard, he never will. But in saying that, if we get four million pounds for him, I think we could go and get better. I really do. I think for four million quid and twenty five grand a week or twenty grand a week, we could scout and you could go and get a player that's as good or if not better than him. Um, it's whether the club want to do that or not. I think that uh, there are people who really, really, really like Alfredo Morelos and their support and uh, can bristle at any any criticism of him. I like him. I think he's a really good player. And I think he'll go on and be a really good player. However, Adam said something on the post-match pot that that really resonated with me, which was he said he is a really good player and he's going to be a really good player, but do we have time right now for a project? Or do we need to, as you say, cash in, bring in somebody who's a bit further along, doesn't have the potential that Morelos has, but 
can be a more consistent contributor. And in if every you know if Nirvana is having a young striker who you can work on who will get better and better and you sell for a fortune. Had we you know maybe had a couple of trophies last years, hadn't been through what we'd gone through. But there is you feel it at Ibrox this overwhelming go and do something, go and achieve something, you know, you feel it, the fans need it. And yeah, I do wonder, you know, if Rangers went out and bought a four or five million, there's no guarantee though. I mean you see, with all due respect to him, he's a good player, but Ollie McBurney going for uh, the the rumoured price was four and a half million. God Danny Ings is apparently Liverpool want twenty million pounds. I mean it it's tough. Are you better off growing and taking the edges off a, a rough diamond, which he undoubtedly is? But I do understand why at times his body language in the part annoys certain people. I do understand why the fans who really like him get frustrated at other people not seeing what they're seeing. It's just how you're approaching where we are just now and, and what you want from us in the next few weeks. But he, he has talent. I don't think anybody, anyone who says he isn't, I think, um, is, is missing out something there. Of course, it, it wouldn't be um, a match without some uh, something to talk about with Josh Windass. I thought Josh Windass worked hard. I thought he uh, did very well for the first goal. And uh, he missed a couple, one in particular, a header. Glorious chances he should absolutely have scored. When he was substituted, there was a cheer. And it... it I don't think it was anything premeditated. In fact, I know it wasn't. It was just some people were frustrated. It was that type of night and they kind of took it out on them. That, that's not good, Cammy. That You don't achieve anything with that. Um, and I get that some people don't really don't like them, but, I mean, what do they think is going to happen with that? So I'm not, I'm not necessarily condoning booing your own players. If I was one of those fans who booed them, I think I'd be within my rights to say, well, he did it first, given his shush gestures uh, away at Fur Hill, but let's let's ignore all of that nonsense at the moment. Um, I think the support's gone on Windass. I, I honestly don't think, no matter what he does now, anyone's going to turn around on him. Not all of them, I've again, there's some people who really, really like him and will defend him to, to you know the hill. Okay, but Strider's not on the pod, so he can't really defend him. <laughs> um Listen, seriously, I, I don't... I, I, I think, OK, let's remove 5% of the support. I genuinely don't feel as if the, the it's going to change for Windass now. Um, you're right from you know what I saw watching on the TV. I could see quite a fair bit from him. Um, the, the, if that's the, a new the, signing and that's his debut, I think people are saying he had a good game. Possibly, but the the issue with that is Windass. I think Windass has got room to make up, right? So I think that he has got a deficit to Rangers, and he needs to pay that debt back. And I think he needs to be able to do that in the simplest way possible, which is putting the putting the the the, the performance out there, putting the the miles on the legs, covering what he needs to cover, cleaning up, doing all that kind of stuff. And the problem you've got with that against them being a, a debutant is he grew up with his father playing Scottish football. He has been at Rangers for a good wee while and long enough to know, and David, you've used this analogy in the past, you can either be an awesome player, player at Plymouth 
or you can be a legend at Rangers. And those are very, very different things. And he has that opportunity, if he's willing to be able to try and get a mental and physical adjustment, in my opinion, in terms of what he's doing. Games like this, he should be having for dinner. He should be standing out in games like this. And to a certain extent, where if we're a bit lacklustre in front of goal, he should utilise that and, and capitalise on that opportunity to be able to show what he's able to do from a finishing perspective. And the problem you've got now is Josh Winder should be a headache for us. Because if we have a formation which includes him, it's OK, but you can't drop him. The guy's unplayable. But actually now the problem is we could very easily live without him. And I think a lot of the support have, have tried... Adam's analogy regarding the project was 100% spot on because Windass has been a project and now, I've, well, for a long time, I've thought it's failed. I don't know how many chances we give this guy, but last Thursday was another opportunity. And for me, I, I think, yeah, he ran hard, but then I would expect anyone who's come through a pre-season had that break and then, you know, was, was playing in a first European game to work hard regardless. Um, I just don't see it from him. I don't see an end product. Um, I just think, you know, Burnham is one thing, right? And it, and it is out of order. All right? I get why people did it, but I don't advocate it. But I still think that the support is is gone for him now. Andy? Um, so the, the, the case with Windass is, I, I've said many a time on the pod before, he's no, he's no my type of player, right? That doesn't mean he's not a good player. Um, I think he's a major, major asset. I think he's got major, major... Uh, contribution it make to your team if he's using the right way. Um, I think we were very, very harsh on him to say that, that he had a poor game in Thursday. I thought he played well and I think I thought he worked really so hard. I, 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 thought he, for a I thought he played well. Um I was frustrated at missing chances. Uh, yeah. I admit. And as Cammy says that floats into the whole I'm letting previous things colour my judgment. Like yeah. my previous opinion of him but when I watched the game back I thought you know he, he did alright and he he didn't deserve that when he went off the, pro- the problem you've got with that right is so this this devolves sorry Andy I know I'm kind of crushing but this devolves into his mentality where if he knows that he was being cheered for being substituted on Thursday night does does his decision making process arrive him at A fuck a lot of them I'm pissed off at this or B do you know what I'm going to work hard and I'm going to show this lot what I can really do. And personally speaking, I don't know about the two of you, I feel he lacks the maturity for B. So that's back to him. So that that was, I mean, I was going to say that the thing I don't like about him is his mentality and and the, the lack of commitment that is apparent in his play, which has been, I mean, the last 50 minutes that he's still going, the last game of the season, we'd, got, we'd brought it back to 5-4 and, and his teammates were busting a guy. He comes on, scored the goal, but... He was still pulling a tackle and stuff like that. And that was where I was thinking, this guy will never do. But on Thursday night, I thought, we've seen signs of him doing things that he hasn't done before. It's easy to forget. He, he, set up the first, he started the first goal. He won the ball in the right-back position by tracking back. And i seen him doing that a couple of times on Thursday night. And that's something that I don't think he was doing last year with such diligence. So that may be a sign that he's actually screwing the nut and saying, well, I actually have to add other things to my game. What I'm... What I like, I would like to see from Amor is if he's playing that wide right or, or that right of the three, front three, I'd like to see him take the man on. I'd like to see him, a guy in front of him with the ball at his feet, try and beat the man, commit the guy. What he does is he's been passing it inside or, or taking an easy option, which is something you cannot um, level at Jamie Murphy 
And that's why Jamie Murphy will always get a pass from me is because he'll always try to take somebody on. He'll always try to create. He'll always take responsibility. I don't think Josh does that just quite as much. So I think, much the same as Morelos, I'm of the opinion that if you get three million for him, I would take it. And I think you could go out and get something else. But uh, with regards to support, um, I think that's the worst of the Rangers support. I think that's something that we need to actually be a wee bit more self-analytical on and say, right, we want these guys to perform for us. Ironic cheering when the guys coming off is not going to do anything. I understand why fans do it, but it's something we need to, if we're going to get behind the team, we need to get behind the team. That includes Josh Windass. And in saying that, you've got to remember that as soon as he came off as well, they were singing his name and singing that song, the Josh Windass song. So That was the reaction, um, yeah, that, that, that was good. Um, because it was almost like the other fans, even ones I dare say who don't uh, count themselves as huge Josh Windass fans, they then did, uh, and I thought that was great. Um, second leg then, 2 0 up, uh, we, we got the victory, 2 0, great penalty from Tav, incidentally, real pressure hit. The manager said in his press conference earlier today that uh, the way they're viewing it is a goal for us should settle the tie, and he's correct there. Has young Middleton perhaps played his way into the side? Scott Arfield will miss out with an injury. Uh, the kid came on, looked good against Berry. It was Berry. He came on the other night. I thought it looked really good again, Andy. Aye, it was. Um, it was. A, it, it, it kept impetus going at the right time. He came on. With, I don't know. Was it fifteen minutes to go? He came on against Scoopy. Um No, it wasn't even that. It was ten minutes to go, and and he done a lot in those ten minutes just to kind of pushes forward and, and he, he got the crowd going as well so he's got something about him he, he's young he's raw we've not really seen anything else bar him left wing and by a full back get to the byline we've not seen him in front of goal we've not seen him cut into anything like that so I would I would probably temper this kind of wave of um, uh, typical optimism we get when a young guy hits the scene uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's loaned out for the rest of the season once we're finished for transfer business no, I mean, uh, the, the, the youngsters, certain youngsters will, I think, definitely go out and loan towards the end of the window. Aye. So I don't, I would be very surprised if he starts tomorrow night because uh, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a solid formation. Um, and you might see as, them, as they come out the game, as the longer the game goes on, you might see him brought on and try to exploit that space. But he's definitely a, a real prospect that's kind of came away from nothing. I know we got from Norwich. I don't think there was any expectation to see him hit the first team this year, but so that's a, that's a real bonus. Yeah, I, I thought it would be at least another year away before we saw him. Cammy, the manager has said one goal should be enough, and he's right. Um, you'd be incredibly disappointed if we were to concede four. So, what's what's the balance tomorrow? Is it right? Remember that we're two 0 up, or is it go and get this done? <laughs> Both. Uh, I, I think a goal in the first fifteen twenty minutes for me um, kills a tie. Um, I think it, I think it gives us the opportunity for the, the remainder of the game to to open up a bit. Um, I don't think they'll be too daft and start flinging themselves into challenges. So I don't necessarily think injuries are a problem. Um, I urge similar to what Andy said about McCrory last season I urge cautious optimism regarding Middleton but if he gets some game time because the tie's effectively over then yeah why not bring him on if as I say we're, we're 20 minutes in and we're 1-0 up then bring him on at half time or whatever give him the run out take it for there because if you're Middleton you're kind of maybe looking at this going well I might not feature that heavily but 
he may have to depend on injuries, depending on whatever else happens. So it'd be good to get him some um, some experience at that level. Um, if that's the case, and again, like say for the benefit of the other players, I would say to them, go and express yourselves, open up a bit. Um, we're comfortable at the back, so you know, go forward, start to take chances, take risks, drive. If you know Morelos gets a goal, if Windas gets a goal, whatever you know, whatever can happen that can help stabilise the confidence in these players, then go for it. Let that let that happen and let it occur naturally. Um, I don't think we need to necessarily be conservative in terms of keeping it solid at the back. I think we would do that regardless. Um, so just get there, nice early goal, be professional in terms of our approach, put it to bed early doors and it can create some opportunities for us to be able to um, use a little bit of expansion in terms of some of the players, potentially some of the systems that we're talking about using. Um, use it as, as a good exercise to be able to try and do it. I'm extremely confident, I know, but um, we've got more than enough in our locker and I've got real faith in Stevie G that we're not in a precarious position. Andy? I've got faith in Gerard as well. Uh, I would be lying to say I'd have as, have as much faith in the players. <laughs> okay. um, I, I think there's potential for squeaky bum. I think they could trouble us for set pieces. They, they had three set pieces in a row, three corners in a row that uh, got me nervous. And they very, very nearly get lucky for winning on the wee back, flick at the front post. So there's always that potential. But I, I think if we let our three front players do their job, then it, it really takes care of itself. And that's what, what I mean by that is the back four is the back four, and then you'll have McCrory or Jackson in front of them. That's a solid foundation. You've then got two midfielders who can press, and that allows the three forwards to actually kill this game for us if we, if we want to. I think, I think there will be space to exploit, especially as the game goes on. So I don't want to see another progress where we sit in and sit in and sit in and then shit there, we've lost a goal and it's panic stations because it's, it's, it's that same psychological thing we were talking about earlier on in, in the first leg. Um, just go out and play their game. Be sensible about it. As Cammy says, professional is the word. Um, I think one goal will kill it stone dead. I would like it earlier rather than later. The beggars can be choosers. No, I, I'm confident about tomorrow. I think you, you might, you'll definitely see Ryan Jack come in uh, with Scott Arfield out. You might see Ovia Jaria come in for Daniel Candace. That wouldn't stun me um, if that was to happen. But uh, apart from that, I think you'll see pretty much the same team. I think Rangers will win 2 1 tomorrow night. Cammy? I'm going to say 3 0. Wolf, going for it. And I'll say 1 nothing to Rangers. Nothing to Rangers. Shite bags are two yet. Excuse me, where did you end up in the World Cup table? Uh, the World Cup is over, Andrew. We don't talk about that any longer. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, on our, on our Patreon service, we've been doing nightly World Cup shows and we were doing a predictor league of all the games of all the puzzles. And you'll be delighted to know, and you can, you can guess, one of us finished first and one of us finished last let's just move on <laughs> the World Cup is finished we're discussing the domestic season here in heart and hand the uh, World Cup is behind us now we've got four and a half years until the next one a demarcation dispute breaks out on heart and hand okay that's pretty much it then for us um, this evening couple of things to tell you a wee bit of housekeeping first of all uh, the uh, Glasgow Uni Rangers Supporters Club have launched a campaign to have former Ger RC Hamilton 
uh, inducted into the Scottish Football Hall of Fame. And you can help them by going to scottishfootballhalloffame.co.uk forward slash nominations. That's scottishfootballhalloffame.co.uk forward slash nominations and nominating RC Hamilton. And uh, those of you who have uh, been in the Founders Trail will be aware of that name, uh, a good cause, and I would uh, ask everyone to do it. And boys, we've got a competition. Well, we've done these. We've done these before. Are we actually sending out the prizes? Yes, because it's not us. <laughs> oh right, okay, that's fine. Yeah, let's run with it. <laughs> uh, uh, we're in partnership with Epic Promotions, who run Legends Dinners in and around Glasgow, and they are doing exactly that later this year, um, where you'll be able to go along and meet some heroes of yesteryear. To do that, all you have to do is go to their Facebook page or their Twitter, uh, like and share the post and retweet it and you're in with a chance of winning two tickets. That will be the next uh, three weeks. So it's epic promotions on Facebook, on Twitter, search for them. Um, You'll see this, you'll see a big banner with the the Legends Dinner up there. Um, Some cracking names I've had uh, in the past, guys like Alberts, Amaruso, etc., Newman, Novo. Cracking players, you'll have a wonderful night. Two completely free tickets, dinner, meet the legends, wonderful evening. So, like and share on Epic Promotions. And that, lads, is that. So, thank you very much to our executive producers in London, Paul Lee and Mike Myers, who are uh, currently licking their wounds after England's exit from the World Cup. And to thank my two guests this evening, first of all, Cameron James Bell. A pleasure as always, men. Secondly, Mr. Andy McGowan. Pleasure to be back on, David. Uh, good to have these lads. We will be back uh, next week here on the free show. If you want more from us, though, of course, visit patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand, where you will find three, sometimes four new shows every single day. And uh, most people seem to like it. Over 3,000 subscribers are now. So people are coming, staying, and enjoying it. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, please pop along just $1.99 per month of course uh, if you don't and you just like this we will be back next Monday so come on Rangers don't let us down go and get this one put to bed and we'll talk to you again next week till then cheers bye Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.